Hello there, welcome to Economics. Today I was tired of being at home and I wanted to do a video on Warren Buffett and the letter that he put out a couple of days ago. And I decided to come here a couple of miles down my house. So I wanna talk about the three lessons we can learn from Warren Buffett. The first lesson that I think it's important for us to know is don't try to time the market. And he went over it at the beginning of the, of the letter, but it's kind of implicit because obviously Warren Buffett, value investor, doesn't try to time the market. He uh, picks businesses, not stocks, and we're gonna go over that in a second. But if you go over the first page of the letter, he goes over how he has done since 1965. And I think it's very interesting because he has done 20% since 1965, 20% Kager. But if you look closer and you look to 1990, 1999, and 2015. And because I wanted to do the video outside of my house, I put it on a note and it's all destroyed now. But anyway, if you look at just those three dates on the letter, and I'll put them here if I remember, uh, you see that the market did much, much better than Warren Buffett. In some cases, 20% better. In some cases, the market was positive for that year and Warren Buffett lost. 20%, 12%. And you go like, wait, that's the best investor in the world. He has done 20% Kager since 1965. How come, how is that possible? Well, one has to learn that not everything's gonna go your way. One thing is the market, and the other thing is the value. Short term, the market is not rational. Long term, thankfully, it is. So that's the first lesson I wanted to talk about. And the second lesson is cash is king. So Warren Buffett talked about he doesn't ever want to depend on other people's money for Berkshire Hathaway or how the business is going. If it goes through a bad year, he doesn't want us to worry about. He wants to sleep soundly. He wants us to sleep soundly. So he already with Charlie Munger, they already said that they will always have at least 30 billion in cash and cash equivalents. Now they have over 140, let me see if I had 144 billion now in cash and cash equivalents. So they have US treasuries, 120 billion. They have that because they ha first they don't, they haven't found a good place to put it in, which uh, it's not shocking. The market has been on a, on a tear going up and up and up for years. So it's hard to find value, real value in the stock market. Now the 30 billion minimum, that's an interesting thing to contemplate and ponder upon because a friend of mine just asked me, sent me a WhatsApp and goes like, hey, Neil is at 22. Uh, is it a good buy? And I couldn't answer him because $22 for Neo, yes, it's down over 50% since its highs, but it's a 30 billion company. They're gonna list in the Hong Kong market uh, in a few days, so it might be good. But also, it's a company that doesn't make money. And if China, with everything that's happening with Russia, if China tomorrow sends two battleships to Taiwan and they get sanctioned, NEO is effed. So it wouldn't be surprising to see NEO at $3 if that happened. So when you're not buying value, and especially if you're not buying in a Western economy, Europe or US, everything's riskier. So you have to be very wary. So when I say cash is king, it is in times of volatility, in times when everything has been going up for years in times of very low interest rates. Conserve cash because there's gonna be a correction. We're seeing a huge correction now. And Warren Buffett, after 
decades of doing this. He has 30 billion minimum in, in cash because he knows once he sees that opportunity, he wants to be able to come in and grab it. Obviously, he's working with a lot of money and he has deals that as retail investors never gonna be able to participate in. But in any case, it's a lesson that I think it's important to draw from the letter. It's a lesson that probably is, could, could be drawn from the, every letter of Berkshire Hathaway. And the last one is what I said before. Don't pick stocks, pick businesses. They say that I think on page four, he's like, Charlie and I are not, uh, Warren says this, Charlie and I are not stock pickers, we're business pickers. And that's very interesting because if you th think about, let me sit down here because this is taking much longer than I thought. I thought I was gonna do the intro and I'm making the whole video now. So if you're stock picking, you can only see what are you gonna pay attention to? The accounting, PGPE, all the ratios that you can imagine you can pay attention to. But if you're thinking about investing in, in a business instead of just a stock long-term, you're buying, like if you're buying a piece of real estate that you don't care about the daily price because you know you're going to buy value. Imagine you buy an apartment or an apartment complex and every day you get the price of that apartment depending on the weather. That wouldn't make sense. And that's basically the stock market when you stock pick instead of business pick. So picking businesses means you have to pay attention as well to management. You have to pay attention. How long has the CEO been there? Uh, how long is the CFO, COO management? If the CEO was changed, was in the ranks or outside sourced? Uh, how are the people feeling about it? How is Glassdoor rating that company to work where where the company is, if US or China, the regulatory environment, many, many things outside of just the accounting and some ratios that we usually see in trading platforms. So I think that's the third big lesson to draw from the Warren Buffett's letter. Like I said, it's a wonderful read. I think it's very short, 12 pages. There was some curious stuff in uh, at the beginning, very patriotic. Uh, which we're not used to seeing Warren Buffett that patriotic. He's always been very uh, into the US and everything, but you know, they bought a lot of uh, their funds. They bought a lot of Japanese stocks. So it was interesting to see how patriotic he was, talking about there's nothing better than the US, very American centric, but it's normal. And the US has done extraordinarily well, but it was strange. Uh, it felt a little forced to me, but hey, to each their own. Also, he made a lot of effort in telling everybody how much they pay to the government as taxes and uh, because a lot of his quotes have been out and about for years about how he doesn't like paying less than his secretary but he goes over and goes like hey in 1965 the company was paying a measly hundred dollars a day to the u.s government as taxes now we're paying i think it's nine million but i, I don't have it here so i i read it this morning so i don't remember exactly the number but he made a point to tell everybody that we're paying a lot of taxes. And I guess it's just to, he's a smart man, just to hedge against the woke culture in case somebody goes like, hey, you have Coca-Cola, which is unhealthy, insurance groups, which are not the favorite kind of business for, for, for people in general. You have banks, which people usually hate, you know. So he wanted to t let everybody know first that they have a lot of real estate, that they pay a lot of taxes. And yeah, so I think it was a very interesting letter. I, I usually have two letters that I read religiously, Howard Marks and Warren Buffett. And this one was super easy to read, super fast. 
the last two pages are just a very nice story of a CEO of a company that he acquired, like Berkshire acquired a few years ago. Very nice, very well written. And as always, I'm looking forward for the press conference. You know, I think it's gonna be the 29th of April, if I'm not mistaken. But in any case, uh, Warren Buffett is the best, the GOAT. So yeah, those are the three lessons I took from the letter. In any case, if you like the content, feel free to subscribe, like right here, I think, and, and comment if you had another conclusion from the letter. Thank you very much. See you tomorrow.